Hello, hello, Mr. Scott Clifton. Hey, how are you, Eddie? Man, what a great intro you have. I always wanted to be a voiceover actor, and so I'm like hypersensitive to like really good voiceovers and that welcome to the Brood Facts podcast. I like that a lot. That's cool. Do you need to check out uh Pasta Mike over at Normalizing Atheism? He's the one that did that. He did the video, the voiceover, and everything. No kidding. Um, That's oh, really cool. Got yeah, I gotta check that out. Such a sexy voice. <laughs> I told him if I could date his voice, I'd date his voice. <laughs> I know. So would I, man. So would I. Oh. So uh, how hey, are man, you? I'm good, man. One correction. I am definitely not a better guest than Malpass. Uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm sort of like the, the, the B rating stand-in for him today, but I'm happy to play that role. <laughs> well, to each their own. I, I think Malpass would argue a little bit with some other parts <laughs> of your career. So, uh, yeah, well. it's. It's it's so not fair, man. You just, I mean, you got the acting job, you're good looking, and you do philosophy. What? Yeah. Well, uh, th thanks. Um, yeah, the good the good looking thing. Uh, I don't that that's just that's just having a really terrible lifestyle where all I do is eat cardboard and like run, you know. So like that's not you know I, the um, the philosophy stuff. I mean, that's that's you know I, I'm just. Uh, always kind of liked it. So um, it's not, it's nice. I mean, you, a, a soap opera, you're playing the same character. You're kind of doing the same thing over and over again, day in, day out. I mean, and it's um, I'm on contract. So it's just like, that's my life for years, yeah. you know, but, um, but to get to like kind of escape from that and have something else that I'm, that I'm passionate about is, uh, uh, is really nice and it keeps me sane. So. Awesome. Awesome. So what, what was, so being in, um, uh, acting how, how long have you been in acting i uh i've been i've been a working actor since i was around 18 i think i got my first job on a soap opera at, at like just after i turned 18 years old and i've been pretty steadily employed in in that world a, a few different shows but um i've been in that world ever since and that's been coming on uh 20 years i'm, th I'm gonna be 38 wow. soon yeah so that that's just that's just been my job for for the longest time um i i, I wanted to be i started like auditioning as a kid uh, you know I, I asked my parents if i could like try acting uh neither of my parents were actors or had any um familiarity with that world um but but i i i really like i was interested in it and you know bless their hearts they they were able to you know schlep me all over town and take me to auditions and stuff even as like a nine ten year old uh and so yeah just like lots lots and lots of um rejection <laughs> from about nine years old up until 18 uh and then I, and then I, I started working i mean a little little jobs here and there but um, you don't choose, you know, soap operas. Like it's not, a lot of people are like, so why did you decide to get into soap operas? Yeah. Like, no, man, it's, that was just, it was just work. You know, you, you take the work that you can get. Uh, and I've been really, really, really lucky to have the longevity, uh, I've had in terms of a, a career. So yeah, that's yeah, awesome. Awesome. So where did you, where did philosophy come in? When did you have time to, to just bang your head against the wall? <laughs> <laughs> um yeah that's kind of that so so uh i'm not um my parents were uh philosophical people but they weren't religious people and and most of the most of the time growing up I, there were like books around the house uh centered around eastern philosophy like a lot of buddhism and zen and stuff like that alan watts and dt Suzuki and um 
and so I, I, I kind of had, I, you know, I had a sense of thinking philosophically, but there's so it's, that's so different from Western philosophy, which is kind of like what I'm into now. The, the, the switch happened. What made me start getting interested was, uh, when I was around nine years old, <laughs> this is a, um, funny story, I guess. When I was around nine years old in Southern California, there was a really, really major earthquake, like a six point something earthquake. Uh, it's called the Northridge quake. And um, a lot of homes were destroyed. And we lived in like a tiny, tiny little house in, in the San Fernando Valley. And our house just kind of went like it just it almost collapsed. And so we had to move. Um, and and th that was, you know, that's like we, we had been living in, uh, as I said, the San Fernando Valley, which is like, you know, a typical sort of godless liberal bastion of, of democratic politics, you know. Um, but, but there, you know, in Southern California, there are sort of pockets of conservatism and religiosity. And uh, we ended up moving uh, to this town that was, you know, mostly evangelical Christian demographic. And um, I had not thought that much about religion. I just, I kind of, I think the idea I had in my head about things like God and heaven was similar to um, the way I thought about Santa Claus. Like it's, it's something, and I don't, I don't mean that to like denigrate it, but that was just the, the idea I had in my head. Like, oh yeah, this is something that, you know, parents kind of teach their children to keep them in line. And then you grow up and you grow out of it. And, um, and then I, and then we moved to this, this town and I realized, oh no, these people, this is like their identity. Like they take this really, really seriously. And suddenly, uh, you know, I, I had a choice, either become like socially ostracized at my new school or kind of a, a agree to being a, a kind of practice dummy for apologetics and evangelism. And, you know, all my friends and their parents were handing me, you know, the case for Christ and evidence that demands a verdict and, um, and you know, lots of Bibles. I got lots of Bibles. And, and but I mean, the fun part was I did start going to church and uh, with my friends. And I wasn't, it's not that I was persuaded by any of it, but it was, it became a kind of social outlet for me. And so I started learning what the Bible said and started reading it a little bit on my own um, and having pretty good conversations. I mean, really, I, I was so out of my depth. I mean, these, these kids, teenagers were like being kind of trained in apologetics. That was the culture, right? So they were like making these arguments that I had no answers for um, you know, most of them were, were young earth creationists. So a lot, a lot, a lot of questions about evolution. How do you explain this? How do you explain that? Um, but just, just having those sort of being, being pressured in that way and just not having any answers, uh, to these questions was frustrating for me. And I think it, it, it started the trajectory of, of being interested at first in philosophy of religion, clearly. And then, and then that just sort of broadened uh, to to philosophy in general, um, and that yeah, that's I think that's I think that's what uh, manufactured my my interest in it. That's it's it's, it's so when you were all I could think of when you were talking about more conservative evangelical, I just wanted to say that's what they call the valley. That's uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's I've, I've worked I've worked all over California, and, and there is a night and day difference between the coasts and the valley um, yeah. for sure yeah, um, yeah. it's yeah see i was one of the i, I didn't even know what uh, apologetics were we we stopped going to or i stopped attending church before i became a teenager but i look back now and i see that they were kind of priming us for this evangelizing and going out and talking about god and all these things 
but there was no apologetics. And I think that was the worst part huh. was they didn't teach you to defend anything you know, <laughs> other than tell them about God and what he's done. And, but they were young earth creationists and, uh, you know, just I love right. my young earth creationist friends. I just <laughs> the look on your face. Right? <laughs> well, I spent because <laughs> I kind of ended up, you know, when I went through the deconstruction, I started kind of rebuffed that particular kind of Christianity. And man, I would argue tooth and nail with young earth creationist, uh, biblical literalist. And I just got to a point. I can't do it anymore. I just. I can't do it in <laughs> Sure, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's funny how uh you know the the conversations that might have been interesting to you 10 years ago, I just stopped. Like I, I, I there was a certain point where I looked back and I went, "Wow, I haven't like argued about evolution in, you know, 10 years and and I have no interest in it now." And if I ran into somebody who was skeptical of, you know, evolution, I don't even know if I'd have the energy to try to like persuade them of it. It's just not, it just stops being interesting. That's it, it, Yeah. It's funny how that works. Yeah. I'm with you. I, uh, I, I don't even go there anymore with other Christians that think that because inevitably it's, you know, there, there's nothing wrong with evolution in scripture, but there is with evolution and in certain interpretations of scripture. Sure. And, yeah. You know, and then it's there. Uh, a lot of them are, uh, skeptical of scientists and the the science. And I'm like, I just, I can't do it. I just, you know, if you don't take evolution, fine. Just, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So to leave that uh, on a nice tone, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I have learned in philosophy not to be too confident because I've been wrong so many times. So yeah, me too, man. That's how you get better though, right? You just get your ass handed to you and you walk yes. away with your tail between your legs and then you have to figure out, okay, either, you know, e either I was wrong or I have to find a better answer, you know, to, to the argument that I couldn't answer, uh, you know, and, and so what, one of those, to, it's, you're going to get shaped by it either way, by the way, uh, I have a mouth like a sailor, so I'm happy to like <clears throat> lock it up for this conversation. I already oh oh yeah no sorry yeah that's uh we don't give a damn. I just oh, I, I all don't right. yeah. you're my people. Yeah, that's uh, we don't. <laughs> I don't. I, I'm not a legalist at all. In fact, I have a debate coming up uh, with a Christian about, uh, and it's not one I really cared to have, but uh, you know that whole words have this inherent evil and. Just oh, wow. so yeah no you far away homie you, right. i've had if you've seen some of the guests i had on to begin my show it's like i'm having to put when i put it on the podcast platform uh mature audience only, mature <laughs> audience only. yeah nice. no, we yeah it's uh don't 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 change anything for the show i've got uh my audience is very diverse i have a lot of atheist friends most of my christian friends are uh they don't care either so you know cool. we're there's there's right. a few of us out there. We're trying to change the perspective. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thanks. So what was the first debate that you had? Not formal, but like first really just firing debate in philosophy of religion. Uh, well, I mean, it depends on what counts. Right. So it started with, you know, I mean, we're. I'm talking about like, you know, I'm 10 years old. Right. And so I, I went on a camping trip with my best friend at the time and his family were all, you know, evangelical 
Christians. And, you know, it was, it was just like, a you know, 10 adults, like sort of uh, descending upon me about evolution. And that was the first, you know, how, how come there are still monkeys if we came from monkeys, that those kind of things. Um, so I don't know if you consider that a debate, but that th those were the kinds of moments that triggered things for me. I, the, some of my real, like where I went in prepared for like an argument, you know, the, those moments were, are, are pretty embarrassing in retrospect. I remember after, after maybe a year or two of this, I started like reading things on the internet and, and, uh, you know, and reading the Bible and like making, making little notes in the Bible. Like I was like stocking up ammunition, you know, and, and eventually uh, the, 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 um, the pastor at the church invited me to have a sit down with him. And I, and I came with like, notes of like Bible contradictions, you know, and I was like, I'm going to show him that there's contradictions in the Bible. And it was so, it was so silly of me. I mean, I was a very, like, I, there are people like this now, you know, I just, and I just like kind of like shake my head, like, oh man, that's not, that's not productive at all. Um, but you know, and this pastor, uh, who is kind of a dick, but, but he still, but he rightly said, like, what are you doing? Like, what is this? Like, what? come on. Like, you're not, this is not, you, well, you think like, oh, I'm going to give you an answer and then you're going to change your mind or like, you're going to change my mind. Like, none of that's going to happen. This is about faith and you're barking up the wrong tree and it kind of schooled me. And I was like, wow, yeah, okay. All right. So don't do that again, you know, but just a lot of like really painful moments like that. Uh, my first debate, God, that's a good question. Uh, like, you know, like a, maybe a, an internet debate or something like that where I don't know. That's a really great question. I mean, I, I started, I started a YouTube channel, right? And that was, this is sometime probably in my late teens, early twenties when YouTube was like just starting and it was really exciting. And, um, and it was, it was, you know, that remember they had the, um, I don't know if you recall this, they had the uh, video response feature, you know, where yeah. you could actually just click on a video and like the camera would pop on and you could just like, record a video response to that video and there was a lot of that going on and so i don't know if you consider that like a, a debate because it wasn't necessarily live but that was where i kind of got my feet wet um feet wet beak wet what's the what's the idiom there <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what the, the expression is i think i, I think i yeah, used that wrong yeah, yeah. i guess um uh, but it was, it was like convert exchanges like that, where somebody would make a video and I would like respond to the, the argument that they made in that video. And then they would respond to me. And that was a really fun and exciting time. Uh, even though again, you know, it's, I embarrassed myself quite a bit, but, um, I have a rule that I, that I've, I've never gone back and de deleted any of my old YouTube videos, even though I, I disagree with oh. most of what I used to say then just because, I kind of want to prove that that uh, you know I've grown um, oh. and that that the change is possible and uh, and I also don't want to sweep you know my mistakes under the rug you know in case other people happen to make those same mistakes so uh, I know there's the, the, you could argue both ways on that but um, yeah it's fun to and painful to to look back on some of those videos and see the kinds of things I was saying then. Yeah, that's that's very respectable um, because <laughs> God knows there's many that uh, luckily I got into YouTube after being in philosophy and having my ass handed to me enough times that it's there's not a whole lot of uh, tape there to uh, <laughs> right. for people to go back and see. Yeah, uh, yeah. but yeah, that's uh, 
man, now I do I, my TikTok. Uh, I left up everything there, but I just got on TikTok a year and a half ago, maybe. Oh man, um, yeah. And I'm already burnt out on it. Um, <laughs> I never got into the TikTok thing. I, I think don't. I maybe I dodged a bullet there. Don't, yeah. don't. It's TikTok and Twitter are the two worst places in the world uh, <laughs> to get involved. It just sucks you in. It's, it's yeah. not even worth it. Well, Twitter, um, you got you you sort of curate your own experience really i mean it depends on who what your circle is that you've defined for yourself on twitter yeah. uh and so my twitter experience has gotten better and better the 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 sort of smaller the circle of people i'm willing to talk to gets uh and the quality of of discussion just goes up um and you also learn to cut your losses when when conversations are going poorly or you recognize that somebody's operating in bad faith. And that's a skill that I you know, that a lot of people have that I didn't for a long time. You, you want to just even even though somebody's clearly not you know listening to you or mischaracterizing your view or whatever, like you just you just have to respond again. You have to you have to prove them wrong. And uh, that's hard to let go of. I, I, it, I, know, I know for myself and for a lot of people. Yeah, it comes with maturity for sure. Yeah. It's uh, I'm a type A kind of guy. I'm, you know, uh, if I think I'm right, I'm going to argue and argue and argue <laughs> and argue. And I'm, it took a long time for me to say, okay, I'm done. You can have the last word. And yeah, that that has become now I still like uh, sitting back there, like biting my lip, wanting to say something. But I've that's become more of a, um, like a cutoff for me it's like when i finally say that i'm going to stick to my word so it's like okay i've had enough no sense and keep going you can have the last word and have inevitably you know they go on for six more paragraphs and <laughs> misrepresent you as much as they can and i'm just yeah like, yeah yeah must, <laughs> uh, must resist i've even found that that i I don't really, unless it's like, unless I'm going to a space, which could be a space on the internet or something like this, or where, where it's expected that I'm going to be either arguing for, you know, my, my own views or making some kind of case, or you're discussing some kind of argument or something like that. Unless I'm like in a context where that's expected, I found um, I'm less and less interested in starting debates with people like in real life. I, I, I whereas I used to, like I, um, my wife and I just went like, like two nights ago on a double date with another couple. And uh, the, the gentleman uh, that we were on the on the date with uh, at one point, uh, he said, uh, uh, I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. And oh. I mean, like 10 years ago, man, I would have been like, oh, yeah, define faith. Well, what do you mean? You know, <laughs> like, and I just kind of yeah. I just kind of went like, OK, Frank Turek, you know, whatever you say, man, you know, and, That's... and just sort of let it go. But it's interesting how uninterested i was in biting uh that yeah. day um and uh i don't know I, I suppose that's a sign of either maturity or just fatigue <laughs> that's, yeah. you know what it's hard to tell sometimes <laughs> maybe, maybe they're actually the same thing yeah well you're not quite as old as i am so it's uh <laughs> when, when the, the closer you get there you'll be like it's not worth the energy, you yeah, know. I, yeah. You know, I want to drink a beer later and watch a game and not think about <laughs> you know this right. guy over here. So yeah. Oh yeah, I man, I don't know if I even now I don't know if I could have bit my tongue on that one because I'm kind of like the uh, I don't really debate atheists a lot. 
um, because I'm, you know, more of, of those that are representing, you know, what I claim to represent. And, and they go when they go out and say stupid things and, and, and make dumb arguments or stuff like that, I'm like, hold on let's let's take a step back let's let's look you know and i'm not a jerk about it i i try to do it in a nice way but it almost always comes back to you deny god's word and i'm just like well yeah that, <laughs> that's funny too it's like yeah i i'll still i mean i still I, I probably the majority of my disagreements that i have publicly are with uh theists of some kind or another but what's interesting is i've found that i'm more triggered by my disagreements with other atheists, right? Like th those are those are the disagreements that stick with me and nag at me and bother me. And like I it, like I get angry in my converse in my disagreements with other atheists. Whereas I I'm I don't get angry, you know, at, at a theist. It's, yeah. I don't know what what that's about. Maybe it's protecting the in group, some kind of you know cognitive bias or something. I don't know. Uh, I think yeah, I think with me it's um seeing my old arrogant self and some of you know those that are coming up and it's like i was so hard-headed and it took me so long to kind of you know change a bit i try to be patient with those kind but they seem to be the ones that just really get me yeah <laughs> get me going so i think that's probably yeah i think when you recognize your former self in an interlocutor and 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 what you recognize embarrassed you at the yeah. time, you know, then maybe that's, maybe that'll do it. Maybe that's all yeah. it takes. So who, who would your favorite theist philosopher be? Or uh, any? Yeah. I mean, I got, I got plenty. I mean, I really, I really enjoy uh, Josh Rasmussen. Um, oh, yes. I, I really enjoy Dustin Crummett. Am I pronouncing, is it Crummett yes, or Crummett? Yeah. yeah. Crummett. Crummett. Uh, I like, um, uh, I really, I really think Richard Swinburne is brilliant and, and interesting and, um, and compelling. Uh, but, the, and then there are just people, guys I know that are not even professional philosophers where I just really like, you know, yeah. theists, you know, obviously where I just, I just happen to like how they think. And, and like, I have a friend, um, uh, named Aaron, uh, that, that, is uh he's he, he actually teaches philosophy now but he's christian theist and i just think he's so he's i think the most uh charitable person i've ever had a dialogue with every every time i have a conversation with him i feel safe i feel like i know that i'm not going to be misrepresented i feel like he's going to offer the best that his side has to offer and it just makes it just makes it so much more enjoyable and comfortable and uh, fun. Um, so yeah, there, there, I, yeah, there's a lot of people like that. I, I would probably say that about uh, Josh Rasmussen as well. I mean, just he's a kind of dialectical genius, right? I mean, his his expert his expertise is in philosophy, but it's also kind of in he has an expertise in conversation. Um, yes, and I think that 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 shows in in every interaction that he has. Yes, um, for that very reason, that's why Rasmussen is always up there for me too. Um, that's uh, I, I love the he, you know, he's very intellectually modest. Mm -hmm. um, 
he actually entertains objections. He still mans people. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is, he's so charitable. It's like, I don't think I've ever heard anybody say they didn't like him. And if they did, <laughs> no. I'm going to think there's something wrong with that person. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you don't like Josh Rasmussen, that says a yeah. lot more about you than it does him. I was surprised you said uh, Dustin. Uh, Dustin's a cool guy. Um, he, uh, I don't hear too many uh, uh, theists or atheists uh, talk about uh, Dustin enough. Um, he's also yeah. another very chair little tidbit about dust and i w- we're in um a uh, philosophy group on facebook where we've been where i kind of really got deep into philosophy years ago and i didn't know for years if he was a theist or an atheist <laughs> and i was like i couldn't figure him out you know yeah, and then yeah. i saw some of his published work later on i was like oh he's a theist i would have thought he was an atheist you know the way yeah. he argues a lot so yeah he uh, he he um he corrects me all the time on Twitter. Like I'll say something and he'll be like, actually, uh, <laughs> and I just have nothing to say in response. So like, I hope he doesn't think that I'm ignoring him. It's just that I, 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 I go, okay. Yeah. Okay. I, I got nothing to say to that. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had him on the show a while back. He was one of the first handful of guests. Uh, oh, that cool. I had. Yeah. He's, he's a real cool cat. So I had a uh, debate with him you know, a d- discussion debate with him about his, his uh, argument from moral knowledge, which is a really interesting argument. And I was barely familiar with it. I was like, you know, grotesquely underprepared for this, for this conversation. Uh, and he was of course, patient and courteous. And uh, uh, I think, I think from, I mean, I, I walked away from that debate feeling like, Oh yeah, I did a good job, you know? And then, and then you start reading the comments and everybody's like, wow, Dustin was so patient with this guy who has no fucking idea what he's talking about. Oh, that's so yeah, nice. That's, you know? Yeah. And I, and I was going, wow, I guess I, yeah, I probably have some more thinking to do about this one. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, uh, that's, I mean, did you, you haven't studied philosophy, have you? No, I'm a, uh, unfortunately, embarrassingly, I'm, I'm a high school dropout. I, I dropped out of school cause I really wanted to be an actor. Um, I just so knew I wasn't I, do I'm a else. high school dropout too. So yeah, philosophy, yeah, philosophy, hey. yeah, it was a, a kind of a layman thing uh, that I got into years ago. So no, I think it's yeah. kind of a lay thing. We don't we don't get that that little foundation that's there, and we forget we we don't realize all the little nuance and technicality. So that comes later after we embarrass ourselves. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm constantly paranoid and in fear that I'm like the the quintessence of the Dunning Kruger effect. You know, it's just like, oh God, I'm the guy that you know doesn't know how much he doesn't know. That's oh man, that's uh yeah. I've uh yeah, Dunning Kruger was uh. I had actually been charged years ago, charged with that a couple of times. And, and I was like, what is this? They keep talking about <laughs> and then, when I finally looked at it, I was like, uh, Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> Am I so lost? I didn't know I was lost. I thought yeah. I was really in the fight. No, was it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Like, I think before that phrase was even coined, you had, you know, like 20 years ago, Donald Rumsfeld going, you know, there are known knowns, there are unknown unknown, or there are known unknowns, and then there are unknown unknowns. And we all kind of went, what an idiot, you know, and then of course now we're all going like, oh yeah, I guess that's kind of true. Yeah, there is. There really are no unknowns and no, no. yeah, that's, yeah, it's, yeah, they, they, yeah, yeah, the 
the political guys will find anything they can grab is, uh, to make <laughs> yeah, it sound yeah. cool. Not so. saying it can't be abused, <laughs> but uh, right. Yeah. Uh, so who's your f- favorite? Well, it's probably going to be hard, but uh, I'm sure I got an idea. Who some of them are uh, your atheist philosophers. Um, I I really I to be I should I should preface that you know I'm not um I'm just not well read. Uh, the truth is, you know, I'm not, I, I, I couldn't tell you, uh, like th- there's no, there's no philosopher that, that I'm like, I, I'm familiar with like the, their entire body of work really. Uh, actually the closest interestingly is probably William Lane Craig, which is, which is kind of weird. Um, but, <laughs> but I, uh, I, I really did. Yeah. So so I, I don't know. I mean, I, I I like thinking about philosophy, but I don't I'm really bad. I mean, really, really, really bad at knowing like who said what and who's got what argument and what what this, tr- you know, philosophical tradition came from and how it started and what, you know, Hume said this. And, you know, yeah. I uh, I'm so I'm so so uh, undereducated when it comes to that stuff. Um, and And part of that has to do with just my my brain i'm you know i'm I'm sort of undisciplined and impatient and only care about what i care about and don't care about what i don't care about yeah <laughs> um <laughs> but um so so obviously my answer here is going to be biased because it the, the the reason i i like the the philosophers that i do has to do with like just really specific narrow interests but i think i think it's possible that my favorite uh philosopher is um uh, Wesley Morriston. Um, I just, uh, I, I got to have a conversation with him recently in, in preparation for a, a sort of a, a live discussion I got to have with William Lane Craig. And I just, um, yeah, this is total bias because I, I think I, I just, I, I, how he thinks resonates with me, how he reasons resonates with me. Uh, and I guess that's how it works, right? I mean, it's, you, you, there's an author or, or a thinker and they catch your interest because you, you align with them, but then you allow them to guide you to new thoughts that you didn't have. And um, uh, Morriston was the one who, who did that for me. I mean, there's plenty of others, you know? Yeah. But um but I, but I feel the closest connection to to Morrison. Obviously, I could, I could easily say, you know, Oppie or Mackie, you know, or but, um, but that would just be like because those guys are almost universally recognized as being some of the best in their field. And yeah. for me, it's for me. I think it's I think it is Morrison. That is so blasphemous. You did not put on. <laughs> I, I, I was supposed to say Oppie. You know, right. well, I, t- I tell people all the time that uh, Oppie and Malpass are the two saints of atheism. They are. <laughs> yeah, Mal- just, Malpass is up there, man. He's. he's yeah, they're they're just kind of like we were talking about with Shane. They're so charitable. They're they're yeah. intellectually honest. They're intellectually humble. Um, and Malpass will uh, will. Um, he'll get he'll uh he'll slum it too like malpass will like have a, a whole debate with matt slick who is not even like close to you know his level but he'll but he'll still have those conversations i can't imagine you know graham Oppie doing that <laughs> yeah yeah I'm, yeah i'm with you on that one i actually kind of got into a little conversation with matt slick the other night on oh yeah Club, on clubhouse 
Um, last night? This is last night? No, the, uh, a few nights ago. Whoa, um, that's recent. I didn't even know he was doing what? much these days. Yeah, he's on Clubhouse all the time. And uh, huh. yeah, he's, I kind of hang out in a room with mostly atheists um, <laughs> because a lot of the uh, Christian rooms on there are a bunch of fundamentalists and stuff like that. And I just, I don't dig that. In fact, I quite often get called uh, not a real Christian. Um, and, it, and one of the things they say is, I mean, look who's agreeing with you. It's a room full of atheists. Look who your friends are. It's a room full of atheists. And I'm just like wrong by association. Yeah. yeah. I was like, what was that whole thing Jesus did? When, you know, <laughs> right. He was like, what was it? Was it the Pharisees? They were like, Hey, I'm look at who sure. you're yeah. yeah. So yeah, I don't good thing. They're not my judge. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so do you have any the particular arguments that you like um entertaining um or yeah taking around I mean, with or um yeah and by the way oh i want to i i meant to say this at the beginning but perhaps it's 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 even more appropriate here you uh when when you initially reached out to me and you sent me an email uh and it was the sweetest most complimentary email and i, I still thank you for that you said something to the effect that um, you know, trust me when, you know, when you come on, um, uh, you know, I don't expect me to, I'm not going to be challenging you or trying to debate you. This is your time. Um, and I do, I do want to say, especially if we, if we, you know, spend a little time talking about like philosophical arguments and stuff, it, I would, I would actually prefer, uh, that if, that, that you push back on me a little bit, um, because, I think if, if you hear me say something that, that sounds wrong to you, uh, one of two things is going on. Either, either I'm wrong or I, I need to be saying more to justify whatever it is I'm claiming. Like I clearly haven't said enough uh, um, or, or said it the right way. Uh, mm -hmm. And so please, please uh, feel free to, to challenge me. Um, that, that said, uh, yeah, I, uh, I don't know how this started, but, but somehow I'm, I'm, uh, the, the, the Kalam, you know, William Lane Craig's Kalam cosmological argument is is probably the one argument that I'm most familiar with. Uh, and I know, as you said, that you know, that's like you have you have no interest in defending that argument. But, um, the, you know, he, I think a lot of atheists get it wrong, get that argument wrong, even though I don't think it's a necessarily good argument. I, th I think it's 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 not a bad argument for the reasons so many atheists think it is. Um, it's special pleading. It's begging the question. No, it's not. No, it's not. That's not, you know. Um, and I think it's an argument that, that sort of, um, it, I, it, it erupts into a bunch of different, really interesting subjects. Like it has to, like, you can't, you can't really do a deep dive into the Kalam cosmological argument without, thinking having to think about time and causation and personhood and consciousness and like it it, it like funnels into all these different subjects um which i think so I, maybe that's part of what got me from philosophy of religion into philosophy in general is it's possible that that particular argument is what paved the way for that because uh uh it forced me to start thinking about all these other sort of ancillary subjects um so there's that one, uh, you know, I, I, I just, I'm just, I'm just familiar with it. Uh, um, but I also really like, I like talking about morality, even though I'm, I'm, 
I, I, I recognize that I'm like really not competent in that area. Um, I, 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 I'm interested in contingency arguments. I'm interested in ontological arguments. I think those are fun to, to think about and talk about. Um, yeah. Did I answer your question? Or did yeah, yeah, you did. Yeah, no, let's, no, 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 that's, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, so that was, uh, like the Kalam, like I was talking about, um, it's, it's really Craig's in particular that I'm not a big fan of where he, he goes from first stage to second stage, mm -hmm. because the second, the first stage is, you know, you're in metaphysics. The second stage, you're in physics. Now you got to prove the universe had some kind of beginning. And, you know, it just oh. it, it takes on so much burden when the original Kalam was only to show a first cause. That's it. Not even right. that it was God. It was just to get you to, you know, that step. Um, yeah. Well, that first that first stage, I mean, it depends on I mean, there, there's a there's a first and second premise in the first stage and then there's a first and second stage right it's yeah, like yeah. two phase kind of argument but the, but the physics stuff is still in that first phase of the argument it's it's in the second premise right so the first premise is the causal principle and then the yeah second yeah you're right yeah yeah you're right universe begin to exist um and that's true i you, you i i pretty much don't touch that second premise about the beginning of the universe in fact um, I always just grant it. I just go, okay, let's say, I, I don't know if the second premise is true or not, but but I, I'd always rather just concede that premise because now we can start doing philosophy, right? So yeah. if, if you just grant that the universe had a beginning, now we can, it, it allows us, it, it sort of corrals us into a conversation about causality and personhood and and which obviously ultimately, you know, leads you to that that second phase of the argument that if the universe does have a cause what what does that cause look like what would it have to look like um i yeah i i do think that the fact that the kalam argument like and it's not the only one you know is is structured that way like a, as a you know that there's there's a conclusion like an actual logical conclusion but then there's also a, a post credit scene which is like oh and by the way that 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 um cause is god I think that's problematic. I don't think it needed ever to be structured in those two right. phases. I think you could build the fact that that causes God into a premise if you really wanted to. And so I think a lot of atheists feel um, like there's a, a switcheroo happening or like a bit of a shell game. And it, that that confusion is unnecessary. I think the apologist could have easily structured the argument to avoid that. I mean, there's so many atheists that just go, the Kalam argument doesn't even prove God. It's like, okay, I mean, it, clearly it does, or it's, or it's meant to. I mean, that it, the, the, just because, yeah, it's so, it's so, yeah, the, I, I think that there's a lot of unnecessary confusion around the phases of that that argument. Yeah, um, yeah, I would agree. It's a lot of time. Yeah, that's, well, that's why I was interested in having, uh, I was really looking forward to um, the Mount Pass show because he's going to talk about um, the, so the Kalam cosmological argument is kind of entered into um, a, a different arena and that's uh, proving causal finitism and Coons, right. Coons uh, and Pruss, Pruss both did, um, papers on uh paradoxes like the grim reaper paradox and 
uh, well, Mount Pass is actually doing a response paper to it. And I was cool. like, yeah, and I was like, rock on. I want to hear, you know, what, uh, because it seems, you know, the the paradoxes seem to be issues with, you know, that, that shows causal finitism. But, you know, there's uh, great minds like him working on it. He might change my mind on it. So, yeah, yeah, I think, I mean, Malpass's argument for some of that is just that. Well, yeah, of course it's a it's a paradox, but it's the, the 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 thought experiment proves that there's a paradox with the thought experiment. It doesn't prove that there's a paradox with the universe, you know. It's, I, and and believe me, uh, one of the reasons that I at some point I really should dive into that and really seek to understand the arguments for causal finitism and and what I think my response to it is instead of just granting that, mm -hmm. um, but. I don't know. I'm just so much more interested in like what a cause is that, that I haven't devoted any time to that. Um, I, sh I should. Yeah, that's, well, that's, that's actually a, a very interesting place to be with uh, causes. Everybody seems to take cause uh, or causality um, with a grain of salt without, you know, really looking at, you know, we, we never actually see, this change you know this cause and this effect there, there's something we say is a cause and then there's an effect but where in between there does it go between becoming yeah. a cause and effect you yeah. know it's uh so it's really interesting when you start really diving into causality itself how much we take yeah. for granted yeah and i think that i think that first premise whatever begins to exist has a cause um is is like you said it's i mean it's it's taken for granted um by most people um and maybe that's maybe the contrarian in me is 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 what finds that so interesting um because it does it does seem like i mean even when somebody like craig presents the argument he'll go okay the first premise is whatever begins to exist has a cause now we know that's true but here's the second premise that both, you know <laughs> and then and then i'm the guy going like wait 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 wait, 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 wait let's, let, let's let's talk about that first one for a second at least um yeah. so yeah it's well it's funny because uh I, I, years ago i saw one of his response videos and it was like uh, we i expected to have a lot of push back on premise two but it seems like a lot of people want to push back on premise one and that's surprising to me yeah <laughs> and i'm yeah. just like well this is philosophy what do you mean <laughs> yeah actually let me see do i have it right here his uh, uh it's there's a bookshelf behind the camera here but um oh, okay. uh, the, craig's book the kalam cosmological argument um i i bought it a while back and, and i was surprised that like his defense it's like a I mean, 250, 300 page book, I think. Um, but hit, oh, here it is. Yeah, right here. Um, but, uh, you know, it was, it was so surprising to me that that his defense of the first premise is like six pages. That's yeah. it. It's like, you know, and, and you know, hundreds of pages for, for the other one. And, and, then, and then, of course, the second phase of the argument. Yeah, it's uh, same way in the Blackwell Companion to Natural Theology. Yeah. It's yeah. it's like a small section for premise one, and then the rest of it is premise two, and it's like yeah. eh, not everybody's willing to grant, you know, uh, this idea. That's why I, I don't understand, as brilliant as he is, why he just wouldn't stick with, like, 
something like uh, Aquinas is a pure, uh, uh, pure actus or something, because it doesn't matter if it's an eternal universe or the beginning of the universe. I think there's just so many burdens there that he's taking on. And that's why he's having so much. But I mean, we could go all the way back to Aristotle's unmoved mover. Yeah. At least we're not talking about, you know, we just because there was an initial expansion. I mean, we don't know what was before that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I it's it's not that Craig won't make those arguments. He he can and has, you know, and, and obviously he'll he'll make the contingency argument, which sort of like circumvents all of that stuff. Um which and the contingency argument is super interesting argument. Um, I just think that you know it's his his doctoral thesis was on the Kalam cosmological argument. I mean, the dude popularized the argument, so it's you know it's not it's not surprising that that he would. It's kind of his baby, you know. It's it's not yeah. surprising he would, he would uh, put a lot of his eggs in that basket. Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't. I really didn't take that into consideration. <laughs> I guess if, if that's what your uh, your thesis is on, then you probably. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I had Graham Oppie was on my show and trying to, and I knew quite a bit about him. Like you, um, I, I kind of just bounce around. I I can't really quote a lot. I mean, there's a lot of them I can now, but for a long time. I just couldn't tell you what philosopher said what, who did, who was working on. So <laughs> right, right. I knew a lot about Oppie from his uh, videos and, and some of his papers and things. And so I was doing research on him and his PhD was in linguistics language. Oh yeah. So I asked him about it and he's like, Oh yeah, that's uh, I just did that to get a PhD. <laughs> that was it. He was, like, there was, he was like, there was, yeah, I don't yeah. know anything about that. That's Sigh. Like, and I was like, Sigh. I'm so I'm like, <laughs> the notes here, okay, let's move that page and that. All right, right. <laughs> <laughs> he just blew the show up from there. It was, uh, but I thought it's pretty. That's a funny contrast between those two philosophers, actually. Like you've got Craig, you know, Craig's built his career on his doctoral thesis and, and Oppie's like, oh yeah, I just did that to like get in the door. Like, it's, like <laughs> I don't really care about that. Yeah, and I thought it was uh kind of gangster, you know. He's just like, Yeah, man, I'm PhD <laughs> shopping. I just wanted to get my PhD paid for, you know. Oh, and wow. so That's that was that cool. was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh but uh yeah, he's a trip like that. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think the uh I'm I'm too familiar with Craig also. Um it's like, hard not to be. I mean, he he's he's the guy that that he's the gateway drug, right? Yeah, I mean, he's yes. the gateway drug to apologetics. And and I don't even mean that in a bad way, but he introduced so many people, atheists mm -hmm. and theists alike, to a lot of these concepts, you know, because he is a popularizer and he is a, a, a communicator at the end of the day. And, um, you know, I think he he made this stuff accessible for a lot of people and, and he deserves credit for that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I, that's uh, I often say that um, uh, Craig is a double edged sword. Um, he because he simplifies things so much for the lay person. But at the same time, there's so much technicality behind a lot of the things that he's arguing that when the lay person goes to argue it and don't know, you know, these technicalities or stuff, they're just end up like me looking stupid. So <laughs> yeah, he, 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 um, he, yeah, but he made me look pretty stupid. Um, I, I don't think, I don't think I was being stupid, but he, but he was certainly able to, to sort of weaponize my, 
um, my lack of, of terminology against me, right? Like, you know, I, I would, I, I didn't, I didn't have the, the sort of philosophical vocabulary, um, no. that I, that I now have, you know, but when I first started talking about this argument, uh, on YouTube, you know, way back in the day, um, people sent, sent him my YouTube videos and he just like eviscerated me, like going, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. He says this, but that's clearly not true. And, and at the time, I mean, he could have, said oh I, I it's pretty clear that what this guy is saying is this now let me respond to that um he just doesn't have the language for it so let me give him the language and then sort of steal man i mean he he, he craig doesn't steal man a lot um uh and i and i think he makes maybe a little too much of of his his academic and 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 the academic credentials of others uh which is unfortunate because it's a bit of a conversation stopper um, so that's, yeah, that, that's a totally legitimate criticism of, of him. No, I agree completely. I, honestly, I don't know if he's capable because I've heard him talk to, uh, uh trying to be a little bit charitable, I guess, um, yeah, it just, yeah. because I've heard him talk to, um, so many different people, uh, like even when he talks to like Oppie, I mean, Oppie doesn't spend a whole lot of time with the verbiage and, you know, yeah. all of that. It's um, and he kind of just, you know, pounds these technical terms and, and giant words. And um, you know what the problem is? Craig spent way too much time in Germany. <laughs> I mean, he speaks German. Like I think he, he spent a lot of time over there. So yeah. Just, that's a, yeah. I think it's all the formal debates. He, he hadn't been able to turn that switch off. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's, I think that's what it is as well. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, the uh, the super sexy guy or super sexy voice guy actually just entered the chat. Normally, hey, super sexy people. voice guy. Wait, where do yeah. I? Oh, there's comments. I didn't even see that there were. Oh, look oh, at yeah. that. Hi, everybody. <laughs> yeah, he he popped in. He's the one from the. He did the intro and the voiceover, and he's the one with the the magical voice. Cool. Um, wow, some of these commenters have more information about me than I did. Like <laughs> one of Scott's first formal internet debates was against Matt Slick. Yeah, I think that's true. Why? <laughs> uh, I don't know because, well, I was certainly yeah. at, at no higher a level than, than he is at, at that point in, in my life. Um, yeah. and so I, I did, I did a lot of engaging with tag tag was a kind of interesting argument, uh, you know, at the, at the time. And it was getting <sighs> a lot of, uh, a lot of press, and so I, I sort of tackled that and, um, but, uh, and I, and I had, I had like, do you remember stick them back in the day? It was like, it was like pre, it was like one of the first like video chat, uh, uh, sites. Um, oh, no. and I, and I had a few like interactions with, with, with slick on there, but I think that my first actual like formal debate, not formal, but like official debate, uh, with him was on morality, not, uh, not tag, which is, I don't know how that mm. came about, but. Yeah, it's it's around. I think you can still YouTube it. Uh, ben Watkins. Ben's uh, here. Yeah. Why are you both suppressing the truth and unrighteousness? <laughs> because of Romans one, man. Like obviously, right. he does ask, "What evidence could, in principle, change your mind?" Oh, that this question kills me. Um, it really, it really keeps me awake at night because I think my answer is so, I wish, 
I wish my answer were different. I wish I could identify something that would change my mind. And I don't think that I can. Uh, so this, this is the thing. I, you know, I think theism is a totally a, a rational position to hold. I think theists can, can be completely rational. I think, you know, it's, uh, I, I grant all of these things. And yet um, I would be terrible at a devil's advocate debate. I've never, I've never, you know, wanted to, and, and that's like a kind of a cool thing now that a lot of people are, are, are engaging in is like devil's advocate debates. Um, but I also, my credence level, I guess is the right way to say it. Um, my credence level in naturalism is like really, really high, like real, probably like way too high, but I, and I don't, and this is just, this is not a rational, this is just a psychological fact about me. But I think even if I looked up in the sky and suddenly the clouds or the stars, you know, reformulated to say Jesus is Lord or something like that, I would find it, I mean, I'm guessing, you know, because I'm not in that situation and, and I can only speculate about my own psychology, but I'm guessing that I would, I would find it more likely that I'm living in a computer simulation than that. Uh, that that was done by God, you know, which um, I don't say that proudly, uh, I, but but I think that's just a fact about me. And I don't know why that is. Well, if I saw that, I'd probably go check myself into a mental <laughs> Yeah, or, or that I'm just going crazy. Right. I, yeah, yeah. I, I am a very skeptical. Uh, the uh, So I totally understand um, what you're saying. And I think I think one of the best answers, oh, by the way, uh, uh, thank you for that extremely honest answer. Um, I think going, I keep going back to Oppie, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> he, yeah. uh, I asked him about uh, what the most convincing argument was for him. And his response was, well, it's kind of hard to say there's a convincing one when I haven't found any convincing. Hmm. You know, and what would be convincing is like asking um, uh, you're asking me a question that, that I've never run across this, you know, in the way that, you know, whatever happens, like you were saying. I mean, uh, if God showed up in my bedroom or something like that, I, I'm not going to think it's God. I'm going to think, you know, that was some some crazy crab I had or some clams or <laughs> something, <laughs> you know, I'm. I just and, and when people tell me about like visions like of uh, God or angels or things, I don't question anybody's first person experience. I'm not there. I don't know. Right. And I don't want to be proven wrong by <laughs> one of them popping up in my bedroom right. in the middle of the night, scaring the hell out of me. So yeah. I'm like, yeah, OK, rock on. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I will say, I, I think that everything I just admitted is still compatible with me being able to say that there are arguments that I don't have a good answer for, you know, I mean, that, yeah. so um, teleological type arguments, you know, fine tuning. I, I, I just, I just have to admit, you know, otherwise I'm lying, you know, that, right. that I don't understand the argument. It's, it is, it's above my head. Uh, I, I think that I, like, I, I know what I think is wrong with it, but I also know that if that were what was really wrong with it, much smarter people would have said that by now. And so I take it that the much smarter people not saying that are not saying that for a reason, because they know that there's a problem with my response to the argument. Um, I think, uh, 
uh, I think consciousness is a problem for naturalists. Uh, it, it, it's, I, it's soluble. I mean, I think it's it's possible to to solve something like the hard problem of consciousness, but but let's not pretend it's not a problem. Um, you know, consciousness is predicted by theism. It's not at all predicted by naturalism. Um, it's surprising on naturalism that there is like this subjective component to the universe. Why is that? Well, you know, there's, you know, panpsychists have a really interesting answer to this. I don't know if panpsychism is true, but, but I think you could make an argument uh, for at least a probabilistic argument for God's existence based on consciousness. Um, so yeah, so even though my credence level is like through the roof, you know, uh, unjustifiably so maybe, uh, I still recognize that, that there are arguments I just, I don't have a, a good response for in a can. Yeah, the, um, uh, the uh, great response, because I often tell people, you know, these philosophical arguments that, uh, you know, we kind of exercise with and things like that. To me, um, the uh, one of the most compelling things would be consciousness. It That would be one of the, and I don't necessarily have, you know, uh, a syllogism for it. It's just, you know, getting immaterial for material, you know, things like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, Especially if you think consciousness is something emergent. That's where you really get the problem. You know, how does, how does, you know, the physical stuff, matter and energy give rise to this subjective component? I mean, that, that is a problem. That's why I think that can't be the solution. You know, it, yeah. it's called emergentism. Is that the, the idea? Of the Yeah. Emergentism. Of, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't think that's a plausible answer to, to the, the, the problem of consciousness. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've looked into different theories of emergentism and it just, there's it's very um lacking in in my opinion um yeah but one of the other ones uh is one that i typically don't argue about either because uh, i'm not even sure i think uh alexander first tried to uh, or did an argument on it uh which i didn't find very compelling when it was actually put in a syllogism but it's um the uh the kind of creative emotional creatures we are the the need to express ourselves, the need to feel like we got to find some kind of purpose, you know, the arts, the music, um, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. beauty. Why do we find so many things beautiful and, you know, all these different things? I mean, it could be a result of just evolution, but that doesn't seem to answer still why, you know, maybe it came about through evolution, but what? what benefit is there to thinking things are beautiful or, or making music or um, expressing ourselves, you know? Yeah. You just said something interesting that I've never thought about before. I do think, um, I, I think arguments from beauty aren't that hard to figure out a, a solution to. Um, once you realize that, you know, my brain evolved to find the flowers pretty. The flowers weren't, didn't just happen to be, you know, as pretty as it takes for my brain to, you know, once you sort of swap the emphasis, I think you can get around those arguments, but maybe you could make an argument for God's existence uh, by, from music. I mean, it, it is kind of, you just mentioned music and I thought, well, why, yeah, why is it that certain, why do we have, 
I mean, maybe there's a, a um, somebody who's an expert in in music theory that could just answer this like that, but I, I don't know. Yeah. But but it does seem surprising uh, that music works so perfectly. You know, that you have keys and octaves and 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 scales and certain notes fit into those keys and others don't and the right combination of notes makes music and the wrong combination of notes makes nonsense you know and uh that yeah i've never thought much about that but that that's has anybody made an argument from music <laughs> uh i think there's um well i don't know about music but like just objective beauty but they kind of put all that together like, right right uh, right you know the the music is it kind of has this universal um uh, a thing about it that so many you know even though people have different tastes of music but there's uh, well that's you know, the difference right like beauty right. can be subjective but the fact that you know a sharp isn't in the key of c or whatever i don't know if that's true that's objective right like you, you beauty you know whether that painting over there or that sunset is beautiful i think you could just say no that is just purely subjective but it's not purely subjective that when someone is singing out of key Right. I mean, they're, like, they're singing the wrong key uh, and, and we all recognize it, too. You know, so which is, uh, yeah, I think you could make an argument for that, that there is like objective music. <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah, objectively good. <laughs> right, right. Or, so, or at least, you know, not, you know, objectively in pitch. So you guys heard it here. Uh, Scott Clifton is now a theist. Um, That's right. From the right art of music. <laughs> all this time, Ed, you know, you're, you're the one who did it for me. Just by... <laughs> I will. Um, I will be. I will not be sleeping tonight because of you. Thanks, Eddie. Yes. <laughs> oh man. Well, if you if you're any ADHD like I am, it's sleeping's hard <laughs> anyway. So. Uh... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah I so. am. I think. And I do want to be respectful for your time. Uh, man, it's boy, that hour has flown by. That was, that was fantastic, man. Yeah, I, sure. It has. I have until, I mean, I, my son, uh, is getting picked up from school, uh, my, uh, right about now. So I, I assume he'll be home in 10 more minutes. I, I can, I can, I can hang out with you until, uh, until I hear them and then I'll go like, oh, okay, I should go because. Okay. Yeah. Rock on. Yeah, definitely. Um, cool. So, um, so I guess the next one would be, uh, what music is objectively good to you? <laughs> uh, you know, it's funny. I say that, uh, you know, but I'm, I'm such an idiot when it comes to music. Like not only do I not know, like, I don't think I know the lyrics, like the full set of lyrics to any song. Like, I don't know what songs are want on what albums. I don't know what albums belong to what artists. I couldn't tell you the difference between, the yellow submarine and the and the white out like i have no idea like that and i don't I, my my taste in music is so dumbed down and simplistic like i hear some like pop top 40 thing on the radio and i go that was great and that's like that's you know what i listen to um it's it's really quite embarrassing there's nothing wrong with that. Um, it's, uh, but but you find some kind of way to remember all those lines. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. but the answer though is is Huey Lewis and the News are objectively good music. So there you go. Yeah, I wouldn't um, disagree with that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah the lines thing, uh, the 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 you know memorizing dialogue. I think um, that's just uh, it's it's a it's a it's a trick. It it seems more impressive than it is, uh, uh, because. Well, for a bunch of reasons, but, um, you know, you're not really memorizing 
you're, you're memorizing like, you know, combinations of words, but you're not memorizing concepts, right? Like, so if I have yeah. a line that's like, I can't believe you cheated on me. I'm not memorizing that she cheated on me, right? Because I was there shooting the scene where I found her cheating on me, right? So, so it's, uh, there's already some information kind of built in. And also it's just the, the 10,000 hour rule. I mean, anything we memorize about, um, 40 pages of dialogue a day, 30 to 40 pages of dialogue a day. And people think that's, that's crazy, but it's not when you've wow. been doing it for 20 years. Um, it, it just, it's, yeah, it's like a, a learned kind of thing. That just, that blows my mind. Uh, <laughs> yeah. See, like everybody, yeah, everybody thinks that's yeah. like super impressive, but. Well, that's why you don't know any words to any songs. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you got yeah, all my, that uh, part of your brain. Yeah. The bandwidth is all, is all used up. <laughs> Um, oh. Although I do think, I think that there's a, 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 I think that it's a different cognitive phenomenon, like memorization and recollection are two different things going on. Like, you know, but my ability to recall something is well bad, um, but, but to memorize is different. You're kind of like choosing to like input it. And also anything I memorize, there's like a defense mechanism in my brain that I, I forget it the next day because I have to, I have to make room for like the next right. thing that I memorize. So, wow. Um, yeah, it's, man. I, well, I guess it's just trained in your brain as uh, yeah. So yeah, you guys do narrow skill set that's only useful for like this one thing <laughs> so they, do they teach you any kind of like uh mnemonic devices or or any kind of do you go through that memorization kind of study on how to remember so many things easily or uh no i mean it's not like everybody works differently right like i i i learn my stuff either I mean, at most the night before, usually the morning of, because it just works for me. Like I, 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 I learn it that day and then I forget it at the end of that day. And that's how I do it. Um, sometimes, and also on soap operas, like things change last minute, like entire scenes are rewritten and then you have, you're about your, you know, you have five minutes to learn it. Right. And so you kind of, for me, the easiest way to learn anything is to sit down with a scene partner and just read it with each other. I say my line, you say your line, and you do that a couple of times through, and you've already got the rhythm of it. Um, but different people work differently. I, 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 one of my colleagues, you know, she has she memorizes the entire week worth of episodes. I mean, we're talking this this adds up to 150 pages of dialogue or something like that. She memorizes the entire week uh, and has to like she can't she can't just go day by day. Like she memorizes the whole thing. And then, you know, and then when that week's over, she, she memorizes the next week and so on and so forth. So she, she knew her lines six days ago, you know, and I'm just learning them now. So wow, everybody's different. So I set you up for this. Okay. I'm now ready. we're going to tie it back around. <laughs> so, what do you think about the accuracy of the oral tradition of? Oh, uh, of the Bible of gospels and, and yeah. whatnot. Um, I remember once, uh, uh, I remember once when I first, I had first read, um, uh, misquoting Jesus, you know, by Bart Ehrman. It was like one of his first books that kind of like put him on the, you know, and made him like a thing. Uh, and I read that book and I had a bunch of questions and I emailed him, uh, these questions and he told me to buy this book called, um, Orality and Literacy by, by this guy, Walter Ong. And, and it's, it, uh, so it turns out that this book is like a survey of pre-literate cultures, right? 
Uh, and the, the assumption would be um, that, I mean, and I think that, I think this is a sort of a, a, a common-ish apologetic uh, uh, answer, which is that, yeah, but, you know, pre-literacy, it was really important to practice, you know, the tradition and like really memorize it and learn it and then pass it on, you know, because accuracy is really important because there's no way to verify or check anything. And so, you know, children, adults, like a gospel, something like a, a story, like the gospel was like rehearsed and practiced and then it was passed down and it was like very, it turns out that the, the opposite is the truth. Um, it, it, factual accuracy I mean, again, I, I'm just parroting something I read once, right? So, you know, take anything I say here with a grain of salt. But according to this book, um, it turns out the pre-literate cultures, that the emphasis really wasn't on factual accuracy or getting the details right and memorization. The, the emphasis on, was on the message. It was on the bottom line. It was on the, the spirit of like, the, the kind of moral of the story. I mean, people didn't, and, and it, it does make sense if you think about it, like nobody's nobody's going to come and fact check you anyway. What, what matters is the message you take away from it. Uh, and so, yeah, there, if, if, you know, historical factual accurate, that wasn't like a thing. Um, so that from my understanding, I mean, that's why, uh, uh, yeah, that's why, that's why I'm not too worried about, about stuff like that. I mean, the gospels are the gospels, obviously they come from a tradition that, you know, that, that Paul talks about. Um, but, um, yeah, I'm not. I, I, I'm no longer scratching my head, going, "Well, what, is it accurate or not?" It, it may not matter. <laughs> I actually agree with you, hundred uh, percent. Oh uh, wow! Oh cool. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I just wanted to hear what you had thought about the actual, uh, the apologetic. Of, well, it was an oral society. They had great memories because they memorized stuff and all this, which I'm sure is, there's a lot of truth there. Must be some truth but, to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I agree completely with you. It wasn't uh, even looking at. So if you would classify the Gospels as um, ancient biographies, which they're not technically in the same format as ancient biographies. Yeah. yeah. But even if it was, they weren't. You know, it wasn't about chronological order. It wasn't about every single little detail and everything about it. It was about the who and the what the message that was trying to be because a lot of Christians don't even know that like um, until I got into uh, studying um, scripture uh, and this is from, you know, theist and conservative theist scholars like Matthew, the Sermon on the Mount, that wasn't an event. It's several different events that Matthew had put together to make Jesus look like Moses. He was trying to bring that parallel because he gave the law from the mountain uh, and all of this. And uh, it's not to get too technical, but they call it pericope. There's like clustering of messages and stuff. And when I started learning all that, I was like, here I am learning like, wait a minute. I thought every single word and everything had to be true and it was passed right, on right, accurately. Right, yeah. and, and then so I started and it, because it's all four of the Gospels have a theological message. Right. One, they're right. trying to portray something. So, yeah, that was uh, I just kind of want to get your idea of 
uh, for somebody who, who spends a lot of time memorizing uh, <laughs> how you <laughs> felt about it. So. Cool. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty cool. I I, I can hear my my okay, wife rock on. They just came home, but <laughs> yeah. no rush. But um, yeah, 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 definitely, man. I, I am I am so uh, honored and thrilled that you came and hung out with me. And uh, man, I would love to have you back anytime to bs and shoot the stuff man it's you uh, got it man anytime yeah. i i really have appreciated this conversation and and i'm i'm truly complimented by you having invited me on to have the conversation so oh absolutely uh, you're, you're a prince so, thank you thank you man I, I really appreciate that everybody thank you for uh hanging out this was last minute um i am going to put your um youtube channel link and stuff in there i just cool. trying to get the string going first um so yeah, yeah, uh, totally. yeah but i'll get all that in there uh thank you everybody for hanging out last minute scott man it's been great um and uh you go take care of the family and i'll see them out of here all right will do all take right. care brother all right thanks man man oh man that was uh last minute but uh he told me it was going to be last minute when he was able to come hang out but i just super stoked and honored that um, he'd come hang out with us. So make sure you check out uh, his YouTube channel, Theoretical Bullshit. It's actually pretty good. Don't let the name fool you. Uh, and everybody for midday coming and hanging out. Thank you so much for being here. And I'm going to get the Al uh, Alex Malpass show rescheduled hopefully next week. Uh, and with that, you guys have a good rest of the day.